Back Indeed, episode number 48, Rasball Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun Edition. I am once again humbled and honored to be joined by Joel. Joel, what's going on, my man? How you doing, son? Good to be with you. Happy uh, opening uh, day. I know. It's great. It's great. Uh, yeah, we are recording this on Tuesday in the morning. Uh, we got it's a two-game slate today, so uh, man, you know, all the blood, sweat, and tears of the summer uh, finally comes to fruition, and now we can uh, cry in agony of, over how shitty our teams are, so... <laughs> um, you know, we've done 48 pods, which isn't that many. It's probably been like, you know, whatever, two years or whatnot. And, you know, it was more for just like shits and giggles. And when I, you know, listen to other pods out there, um, there's certain criteria that's met when you know it's like real, right? Like it's it's a good pod. Uh, one, good insightful analysis. Two, uh, excellent guests. And three, they have sponsorships. So I have an excellent guest today. Check mark that. Terms of insightful analysis, I don't know, but we got a pot, you know, we got a sponsor, so you know, we big time now, uh, Mama, we made it. Um, so, you know, it's uh, we're sponsored by Thrive, so you know, shout out to Thrive. Uh, I got to do a quick little read for them. Um, you know, come to prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player plops. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for the over and under based on, on <clears throat> excuse me, how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 100,000 guaranteed and prizes for the opening nights of the NBA season. We got a promo code too. That's when you know you truly made it. Razzball, sign up today. You'll receive a 100% instant first deposit match of up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today, baby. All right, we big time. I can't believe this. It's, a, it's, it's an exciting day. So uh, there's a couple of things we wanted to, to go over today. Oh, hold on, sorry. Before I get into that, um, one or two kind of, so we're going to be doing this pod every Wednesday. So we'll be doing it Thursday, Tuesday. I'll pub it on Wednesday. So uh, that'll give you guys, uh, you know, something to kind of look forward to if if you're into that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, But before I get into that, you know, just wanted to kind of give you a heads up on the schedule, like the writing schedule. So you know, Costas on Wednesdays be giving you buy and sell. Uh, Thursdays, uh, Meter Eric Meter, you know, the midweek guidance, which is really fantastic it's for head-to-head leagues. He goes over if you have to target specific categories. He, you know, he tells you who to buy, you know, who to pick up. Um, Friday, we got a new writer this year, uh, Yin. He's going to give you the, his weekly interesting thoughts, um, and then the rest of the rest of the week oh i'm sorry mr hooper's on monday uh that's you joel uh yes, tuesday joe giuseppe is going to do underperforming on tuesdays uh and then the rest so i'm going to be doing the recap for the sunday night games uh and then we got jalen on the saturday night games uh, jay on the monday recaps yancy tuesday recaps paul wednesday iran thursday and we got new writer Bob on Friday. So that's the schedule. You know, check out Razzball. Like we're going to have content daily. 
so that's the schedule. So check it out, and then you know we'll try to have this pod every Wednesday. So uh, try to you know put out some consistent content out there. So all right, for so for this particular pod, um, I just did my main event draft. Uh, finished about half hour ago, so kind of want to go into that, and then. Um, Joel and I were talking last week. We had our writer's draft, and he did an RCL, and we were kind of discussing, um, you know, he, he it was an emotional roller coaster for him. Uh, he liked some parts, and then he hated it, and then he hated another draft, and he came around to it. So uh, we're going to go into that later. So it'll be fun to kind of, you know, peek into the, the, the brain uh, of Joel and, you know, hear his thoughts on, you know, his head-to-head drafts and, you know, how that went. And, you know, so, yeah, it'll be great. So... My main event draft, um, obviously, <laughs> heavy hitters. There's probably about around 60 players. Uh, last year was my first main event, and I completely bombed. I think I ended up like 53rd out of 60. Um, basically, I took AD and PG. And the, I was near the end. I think I had 12, uh, 11 or 12, and I took PG and AD. And that, yeah, I mean, right? That just tanked my team, and I think I had Kyrie. Uh, on the bench there so it was pretty painful uh but i definitely learned some things uh one you know bench spots are extremely valuable there's only four bench spots in this league so like you really don't have the capacity to hold guys you know like that are injured or that aren't going to come in back so i mean i I saw a couple guys like they took robert williams and like even though you think it's in the 13th round it's a waste (laughs) you like you can't like, that's what I learned. You can't have those guys on your team because, you know, I mean, those guys need to be, you know, you know, they need to be playing, right? So, um, so that's one thing I learned, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously had too much risk last year. And I think kind of going into that draft, because I was picking to the end, uh, I, I, I mean, I had a, a ton of adrenaline just flowing through me. And, and I felt like I was behind, and I felt like I had to catch up. And, you know, which is really... It was surprising to me because especially with, you know with my trading experience like like I don't get FOMO you know and I don't get too emotional but I just think yeah it was just my first made event so I just got really you know I just got really too too excited so you know definitely too much risk um, and then just more just you know lineup construction and, and, and things like that like I think I'm a little more cognizant and you know just mentally emotionally I was a little bit I think I was more prepared coming into this one and you know, I knew. So, uh, I had I drew the 11 spot. Um, what, hey, before you get into your team, what is yeah. the format here? Uh, so it's NFBC, thousand uh, dollar buy-in, uh, eight cat roto. Uh, so there's roto. yeah, eight cat roto. There's uh, yeah, it's just like the normal like the Rajam. Uh-huh. Um, I think there was what, ten, ten starters, eleven, nine, two, three, four. Oh no, I'm sorry, twelve starters. So two centers, four guards, four forwards, two flex, and then you got four uh, bench spots. So yeah, you know those bench spots are pretty valuable. Um, and how many participants in the overall competition? Yeah, I think there's around sixty. So I think there's twelve leagues of five, I believe. Um, so somewhere, I think last year was sixty. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the final number is coming out to, but I, I'm pretty sure it'll probably be around there. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So. <clears throat> Drew the 11 spot, um, you know, I kind of knew, I had a pretty good idea. I've done so many DCs this year that I kind of knew how it was going to go. Um, some other guys that were doing like a lot of online championships, they were kind of saying uh, the centers 
got more elevated in fab leagues because this is so this is a fab league unlike the draft champions and Raz jam there's no fab in those leagues so this one is fab so um a lot of those guys are saying yeah centers i mean they get elevated inherently because of the two center roster requirement but in yeah. the fab league it seemed like they were getting more elevated so yeah so the runs happen in like the third round in this one rather in like the Raz jam you know dc is like fourth fifth round right so um, I was looking at Harden, you know, Halliburton when they came back, but, you know, they were gone. So, uh, at 11, I took Lillard, which is yeah. pretty standard for me. I mean, I think I have a lot of Lillard this year. Uh, and then the guy at 12 took Young and Curry. And recently, I've been taking Bam there. Um, I know it's probably a reach, but I really, I, I'm, I'm becoming, I don't know, maybe drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm pretty high on him um, because... You kind of know what you're going to get from him and you know the defensive stats the you know the, obviously the center eligibility but um he started shooting more threes this year uh and you know basically the talk around camp was like everybody wants him to be more aggressive on offense and he himself said that he's going to be more aggressive on offense so you know if he gets over 20 points a game he was at 19 i think 19.1 last year right he gets over 20 and you know a lot of times they run offense through him you know the high post pinch post dribble handoff action so, you know, with those assists tick up a little bit, right? You're going to get mm -hmm. the steals, blocks, rebounds. So, yeah, I mean, I really come around to him. And, I mean, if he starts shooting threes, that's like chef's kiss, right? So, um, so that was my start there. I think that's pretty balanced, uh, fair. Third yeah. round came back, um, Siakam. Uh, that was, man, I was hoping he would, he would fall there. I was pretty happy uh, to get him there. You know, I mean, really not much analysis needed right he's going to play a ton of points and he pretty much gives you everything right the free throws are a little down and with Adebayos that's kind of a little bit of a concern but you know Lillard um you know has such a good three free throw percentage that it kind of buttresses it and then you know it, it made me aware later uh with the free throw so I kind of addressed it later um mm -hmm. so uh third round fourth round came um De'Aaron Fox I, I took De'Aaron Fox so nice. yeah one of the assists um, a scoring upside, you know, I think there's some steals upside, you know, I think you talked about it on the, in, in the other pod, so we don't have to go too far into that. The big point for me was in round five. Uh, so, um, the guy 12 to Collins and Rogier, and I was initially, my plan was I wanted to come out of the first five rounds probably with two centers because I, you know, I knew that the centers were getting elevated and yeah, there was a huge run. And so, my target was Wendell Carter there and I know he's not coming back to me. And so this was, this was the inflection point for me, whether to take Carter, but Zach Levine was sitting there at the top and ah, man, you know, do I feel the positional need or do I go with the points and, you know, he gives you some dime. I mean, we know what Levine gives you. And I felt like, ah, I don't know. It's so tough. I, I just, I decided that I just felt like the value was too good. And um, so that just basically changed my whole plan right there because, um, you know, I just try to, I need to boost on my free throws at that point and points because I know the type of centers later, like the Zubaches, Claxtons, right? Like Horfords, whatever. Like, so I needed to boost that. So that, that was the round five was really the inflection point for me. Um, I just felt like Levine was just too, too good to pass up there um and i don't know so 
sorry, I, I was, I've been rambling for a lot of minutes. So let, let's stop here at five. So give me some of your thoughts on, you know, what you've heard and what you see. Well, I, I think that it's interesting to hear you. I think it's interesting seeing how you've gone balance. When we last spoke about the Raz Jam, you were talking about building teams, um, knowing that there were who your targets were later and that you were sort of like uh, stockpiling up on uh, on particular stats, knowing that the trade-off was coming later. Um, but that Lillard out of bio start, I mean, that's, you're sort of just grabbing the, the complementary pieces immediately. Um, and sort of similar with, with grabbing Siakam and Fox too. I mean, the free throw percentage is definitely uh, something that you're going to want to keep your eye on. You know, the blocks, I mean, blocks are always challenging if you're not going to get one of those big guys. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, you're going to be really strong in points, can be really strong in assists. Um, you know, threes can be found later. Um, I think, I mean, I think what you're saying about the choice between Wendell Carter and Zach Levine, I mean, I, I don't know how you pass Levine with that much value, especially just knowing how tricky points can be later. I mean, yeah, that's going to, that's such a huge boost. And I don't, I've never really, I've never rostered Wendell Carter. Um, he's had a better, he's had better seasons than I've probably given him credit for you. Let me pull up his, uh, his page, but yeah, I, I mean, who else, who else, were there other centers available that you were looking, that you were considering other than Carter? Yeah, I mean, Christian, Christian Wood was there. So, you know, Wong, Wong took him actually that, that round. Uh, mm. He was in the middle. He, yeah, he was team six. So he took Wood and then Wendell Carter went, uh, the 11th pick of the fifth round so um yeah i mean i just felt like like you said i don't think i could get the points from levine or get the whole package of what levine gets later whereas i think i could cobble up the stats of what what carter gets there so mm -hmm. you know that was that, that was my thing there um, well because after going with levine like you're now now it's like blocks blocks and rebounds exactly. are the, are the, exactly. the so, yeah, that, that's where my my focus shifted um, you know, I, I took Jordan Poole in round six because neither blocks or rebounds. Yeah. So, you know, my, my thinking there was, um, once I passed on Wendell Carter, my whole, the whole matrix shifted. Cause mm -hmm. then, you know, I looked down the player pool and then, you know, I, I, I kind of saw where the sweet spot for me was where I was going to try to attack blocks and rebounds. And so I felt like it was much lower. And then those, like the tier of big men down there, um, it required a lot of boosting up the points in the free throw. So yeah. then that's why I went pool, which is perfect for what I needed. And then marketing was there. So um, I was happy with marketing. Not only I needed the forwards there, I only had one forward but in Siakam, but the points uh, usage. So, um, I think I really, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, like how I approached it kind of balanced in the beginning. Uh, and then, yeah, once it shifted, then I needed to, then it kind of changed, right? Then I was like, yeah. I need to boost these certain categories because because of the, the, the caliber or the tier of big men that I'm going to be attacking, um, I knew what the weaknesses was. So that, that was my thinking there in six and seven. And I'm pretty happy about that. I don't know if I addressed it 
the big men, I don't know, optimally, I guess. I don't know. Like, I wanted Horford, and then, you know, I was looking at Zubak, Claxton, whatever, but they all went. So I ended up with Okongu and Hartenstein. So I'm not mm. crazy about the combo, but, you know, they kind of fit what I need. I just don't know, <laughs> you know, how much, you know, they're going to be able to, uh, you know, put me up the standings there. So I don't know. Give me your thoughts there. Uh, I think, I mean, you needed, prior to, after taking Markkanen, it was really, you know, it's it's field goal percentage and blocks still. Um, I mean, the points are so nice. Um, you know, Levine, Poole, Markkanen, you're going to be, you're going to be at the top of that category going forward for sure. I was hoping to hear that you had picked up uh, Mitchell Robinson, a, a favorite. Well, he went. Yeah, yeah, he went. Yeah, so he went in that first. So the, it was the eighth round. Yeah, he was the first pick of the eighth. So I was kind of thinking about him um, because I felt like I could have – I built up the free throw percentage to a point mm-hmm. where I could have, you know, handled it. But, yeah, he went. So that's why I went uh, Hardenstein. And, yeah, so there were four – three centers. So Horford, Zubac, Claxton went you know, like the six picks before me. So that kind of, you know, put me into a box, not box, but, you know, kind of forced my hand, right? It's just kind of like the options were, you know, they, they destroyed my queue right there. So <laughs> I had to address, you know, uh, the, the, the categories. So um, I don't know. So I felt like I addressed it. I don't know how well I addressed it. So that's, so then this is where I started to, um, I wasn't feeling as great as so the second half I didn't feel as great as the first half so well, I, the, I kind of feel like yeah I'm sorry go ahead no just the the you did the thing you know you needed you needed blocks you needed a field goal boost which those guys got we've been talking yeah. a lot this off season I've been talking a lot at least about these centers and you got like a couple of pieces of them for sure I yeah I don't really I don't understand what the Hawks are doing. Um, I, I suppose that's probably true for a lot of people, but um, you know, Capella's on his last year of a contract. Um, Congo, I mean, everyone sort of wants him to take that job. Um, I think that that could be a really valuable pick if he gets more time than we sort of are yeah. envisioning already. Um, and then Hardenstein, Hardenstein yeah. can play. Um, and all he has to do is beat Mitchell Robinson, who, you know, is not someone that even under optimal circumstances plays 28, 29 minutes a game. So I think he'll get some run. Um, they're definitely a little wobbly just because the jobs are uncertain. But, you know, for someone that had very specific targets in these categories, like, I think he did well. Mitchell Robinson would have been a nice piece there, too, because of the, yeah. the field goal boost. But, you know, neither one of those guys are – atrocious free throw shooters which is often something that you have got to worry about with yeah, the big yeah it was around 70 so, percent yeah 70 percent for both uh, whereas robinson's like closer to 50 so yeah no that definitely helps um yeah like i've, I've been pretty high on congo from the beginning of this summer um mm-hmm. you know the the organization has pretty much been like we want to get this guy on the floor more uh it may happen it may not but I think I had my projections basically split down the middle, 24-24. You know, Capella maybe get a little bit more uh, in the beginning. But, you know, there's upside there. Um, if 
he gets hurt or if they trade him, uh, then you know the sky is I mean the sky is the limit for Okongwu. So we'll see. Um, yeah, Harden style is more of a floor floor play. I just I just need the stats. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. After that, you know I think my steals a yeah. little light. So um, I really was pretty cognizant on that and um, so my focus is more on steals and just guys that have a job <laughs> um, you know some sort of security uh, so I went Josh Hart you know starter for the small four for Portland uh, he brings some steals you know I, I kind of like that he re- he rebounds well for his position so that's nice and then um, like you know, Wong took Tari Eason in the ninth, and I, you know I wanted to like wring his neck because he would have been perfect for my my team, but he took him. But that's why Wong is a Hall of Famer. So, <laughs> and, and and I'm not, you know. So, um, you know, how much do you think Eason is gonna play? I got a question about him in the comments think, today on Raswell. Yeah, I think he has a chance to start. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, even if he doesn't start, I think he's playing. You know, at least low twenties. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's a chance he starts. I, I you know, I, I don't know why they wouldn't, right? But I don't know. We'll see. You know, because they have, they gave Jason, Jason Tate some money, and they still have Eric Gordon. Like I don't, I guess the yeah. question that came into me today on the on the site was about um, filling in a twelfth round pick, and um, and I just think that like Easton, especially out of the gate might be a little limited in like how much burn he's going to get just because there are these other bodies in the way. I think it's, he's a guy that you should be really excited about going forward though. And like, he definitely would have helped with steals. Um, want up in the night. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean that kind of like antenna, right? Like, you know, it's not just hype, right? I mean, he pretty much proved it, you know, the eye test is there, but you know, Wong is very, He's very good at identifying, you know, upside. Um, you know, does he get all of them right? No, he doesn't. But you know, all you can do is put yourself in the best position. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So for all my Eastern shares, you know, I was very happy to see him take them that high, right? It's just a, a, a stamp of approval, a validation. Um, but you know, even if he doesn't start in the beginning, I, I still think he's going to get at least twenty minutes, right? And with his skill set and what he does, I mean, he can be productive. And then from there, it's, it's all, it's all gravy upside. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, we'll see. So after heart, um, precious Achua, I mean, yeah, man. you know, we, we don't, it's my guy. I think I have like a million shares of him. I'm just super high on him. So yeah, I took him, you know, and I like that, uh, the dual eligibility, um, in a main event, I don't think you need to go crazy with centers just because there is fab. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it is nice to have at least one or two guys. So I have a Congo and Achua both yeah. play center and forward. So uh, I don't really need to address the position anymore after that. So that's good. And, and then after that, it was pretty much steals and defense. So I went KCP, who I like because he's going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to get, you know, drain a lot of threes playing next to Jokic. Um, Jeremy so- Sohan. So Chen, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I mean, he's starting, right? And he's like a Dennis Rodman, you know, defensive guy. So uh, Jalen Suggs in the 14th steals, you know, upside. I mean, the knee, you know, could be an issue, but they said he's ready to go. So yeah, he's he back. My steals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's back. You know, there's whatever concern maybe 
takes him some time to get up to speed. But, you know, he's young. He has upside. You know, if he can get the efficiency down, uh, that's good. So for me, down here on the bench, um, it was more uh, more kind of upside because you can turn these guys over. You know, like, you know, I'm not attached to these guys. You know, like, maybe like, so I went Okoro and Zaire Williams at the end because... I think Okoro has a chance to start. Like, they haven't decided if Levert's going to be starting a small forward or not. And then I read some article, like, you know, he's been shooting really well, and that's his main thing, right? That's been holding him back. And I read this article the other day, how his improvement in shooting and things like that. So, you know, if he gets a starting job, that's great, right? And then yeah. he adjusts my, my defensive stuff. If not, it's no problem. And then I'll just drop him and pick up, you know, Fab. So, Zaya Williams is the same thing. It's just That's just more of an upside play because... Um, you know, he may not start. Well, he's not going to start. But, you know, what if they trade Dylan Brooks or, you know, whatever, like he gets hurt. You know, I mean, they've been grooming Zaire. You know, they gave him more ball handling responsibilities over the summer. So, you know, maybe he leaves the second unit and starts balling out, right? And, you know, I don't know. There's there's some upside scenarios there. So um, that's my squad. Give me your thoughts. I, I think that you – I think that you did well. I one thing that I'm curious about because it's it's fab. How long how long of a leash are you going to give some of these guys your your bench players? Or I mean, it sounds like the the, the thought process. One that I agree with, by the way, was like I'm going to take um, young guys who could have a job here coming out of the gate and just like if they run with it, perfect. I've I've solved it. Like. If, but if Jeremy Sohan comes out and uh, and doesn't really, you know, shows his age and produces at a sort of like uh, reduced rate, like how long how long are you willing to stick with a guy? You we started this conversation by saying there's really no place to stash a guy. Um, so what is what is your sort of like patience level? There's no patience. Yeah, yeah. I'm ruthless. Yeah, I'm ruthless. Um, and it's. It's the way, you know, you know where I learned this actually was from playing the baseball RCLs. And, mm. you know, th the first time I played in the RCLs, like I would draft and like the bench guys would be like, oh, I like this guy, you know, whatever. But then I realized like the structure of that format, um, it, it those guys don't matter, right? It, it's like really like stats have no face, right? So, you know, mm. the way I started approaching it was, I have my core guys, you know, the guys that I'll never draft, like, whatever, Aaron Judge of the world, you know, the Kunas, and, you know, there's probably, like, I don't know, five or six guys that I won't drop. Everyone else is free game. It's just, you just want to just churn and just get as many stats as you can. So, um, I think that's, you know, that's kind of, that was one of my mistakes last year in the main event, I think, you know, I tried to stash Kyrie, you know, I had guys, like, where, like, oh, I like this guy, but, you know, I realized, like, yeah, there's there's no reason to do that. Um, you really have to be, I think, I think you have to be ruthless and toothless. And just if you see a guy, you know, whatever, gets a new opportunity or he's on fire, like I think you just have to just just take it and see where it goes, right? And um, yeah. so yeah, I'll be I'll be curious to see, you know, pricing and, and everything early on because usually um, guys come out, you know, in the beginning of the season. And guys spend a lot of money, right? So, um, yeah. So the fab aspect of it is going to be going to be pretty interesting. So, yeah. Well, I think you got the right idea then with 
who you took late. Like I like I like Suggs late as just to like, see what happens. I like Sohan late as um, you know if if this can click, if they can hit the ground running, then you know you can be a little bit more sort of judicious judicious with your fab. But I mean it's that's an exciting team that you drafted. I think once it, once again I'm 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 in, Curious to see what happens with Precious Achua. I know that's a guy that you've been really excited about. Yeah. And considering where you're at with the blocks and uh, and some of these other defensive stats, like maybe that's a thing for him. I, I still don't really understand who he is as a player. <laughs> He's a baller. That's all you He's need a to baller. He's a baller. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I think he – you know, I was I was uh, watching some YouTube video. Um, it might have been some like Toronto guy. So, so it was a girl. In a, uh, there was this one lady. I apologize. I forgot her name, but she was awesome. And I think her analogy was like, Precious Achua to me is like my two-year-old daughter. In that, every time I go away and come back, she does something new. And like, <laughs> like she was like, yeah, last year when I was watching Preston Chua, he was terrible. And I felt like every time he had the ball, there'd be a turnover, which is probably true in the beginning. He was terrible, but something clicked in the second half of the season and he started balling out, um, started shooting the three point range. You know, I mean, I, I think defensively, right? Like, you know, he's switchable. He, you know, he showed that he can guard guys on the perimeter, but you know, what really impressed me was how he handled Joel Embiid. You know, like, Joel Embiid's a beast, and, like, he, you know, was hanging in there, right? Like, he wasn't getting bullied, and he actually made some plays against him. And then coming into this season, um, you know, he showed some handle, right? And, like, you know, taking it to the rim and, you know, taking guys off the dribble. So um, I think, you know, so the three points, there'll be some rebounds. Um, I don't know about the assists, but, you know, he actually been showing more play-making ability. Uh, the defensive stats is, you know, like uh, if you look at the numbers, they're not really popping off the page, but I think there's upside there. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely all upside. So, I mean, we'll see how it how it works out. But, yeah, I don't know. I know you've been kind of uh, hesitant with, with Precious. So, uh, I, I, well, I totally get it, though. I totally get it. I think um, I think my where I stand with the Chew is, is that a lot of times when I'm doing these drafts, particularly draft and hold, which I know this is not what that format is, is I really, I think it's important to know what is, what it is I'm drafting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we talked, we've been talking a lot about the puzzle of putting these, yeah. these rosters together. And uh, it's hard, it's hard to see or be able to uh, think strategically about like how your puzzle is coming together when you're drafting someone like a Chua, where it seems like that kind of like, growth is happening and you just don't you don't know where exactly it is yet but you know considering where you're at with steals like if there is defensive upside there great because like he's going to be strong with rebounds he's going to give you a solid field goal percentage um the blocks will be okay like a little bit from him really I, i feel like that's true about a lot of these guys but like a little bit would be uh, really meaningful. Like if a Kongwu sort of moves beyond Capella, that'd be really, really meaningful. Same with Hardenstein. Um, you know, Darren Fox is sort of like leveling out as the player that we saw at the end of last year. Like that's a really meaningful step forward. So 
I think that your buys are really strong. And I, you know, I really like the, now that I've seen how you filled out that center position, I really like the idea of going with Levine instead of Wendell Carter. I just, I don't know where else you would be able to get that much scoring threes. Um, and really the free throw value is going to be really valuable for you too, because you've got yeah. bunkers too. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully it's uh, my journey is better than last year. Maybe <laughs> worse. Maybe like, oh, uh, worse. I think. I mean, you know, we've been talking a lot too about sort of draft position as well. I really like being at the back end of drafts. I think that that game, and I mean, you know, you said you feel like you had to reach for Bam, but I feel like that the second round is so mushy. Um, but Damian Lillard seems like a a sort of lock for first round value. You get him at 11 um, and then pair him with Adebayo and Siakam. Like, that's a good base. I, uh, I do. I do like the foundation. So that's good. So I just plugged in my squad into, you know, the team tracker. So yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my strength is obviously points. Um, yes. Which, which I don't feel, well, okay, I'll, I'll go through the rest. So then everything else is pretty mediocre. Uh, steals. Yeah. I'm way behind the steals. And I'm a slight negative in blocks. Uh, the rest of the categories is like, you know, right above life. You know, it's, it's not great, right? But it's, it's not a negative. So um, I actually, I'm not too, too, uh, I don't know, sad about where I'm at um, because it's going to be hard finding points, I think, off the mm -hmm. wire. But I can, I think I can cobble steals and blocks like i think those are two categories that you could probably get the easiest uh, outside of threes right so three steals and blocks um i guess you could you know i don't know there's probably some big men to get rebounds but yeah assists might be difficult so I'm not assists are always hard to find out yeah i'm not great in assists so i probably should have addressed that um so yeah that's yeah so i probably should have built more assists i've got one more assist guy and then yeah, the fab, you know, I could fab my way into steals and blocks, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel great about this team. Um, so, yeah. It only cost you a thousand dollars, so, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know, I feel like, you know, that's the only way to get better, right? To actually, you know, put, uh, to play, right? You just gotta, yeah. I mean, you got to, you gotta just play, take your lumps and learn and, um, so he, okay, <clears throat> so I was having this discussion with somebody else the other day, and it's something that's been on Twitter for, <clears throat> you know, it's popped up from time to time. But in terms of, so say like uh, analysts or, or people that do, you know, the right stuff for fantasy or do podcasts. Um, so some people are like, I don't care if a guy doesn't play or doesn't win as long as he's like entertainment, entertaining or provides some sort of information right whereas other guys are like no i you know i need to follow guys that have some sort of street cred some credibility mm -hmm. right like that win and things like that so um me personally i probably side more with the street cred you know like you know eric wong's hall of famer i did i'll, I'll listen to what he writes right uh yeah, sean c rotoviz right like he wins a ton of high stakes fantasy football stuff and so for me i feel like you know their words kind of have more meaning right 
but you know, I do understand that for other perspectives. So, like, where do you fall in that debate? I mean, I guess it sort of depends on what you what you want. You know, like, are, do you do you find enough value out of playing the game that, like, being entertained by the people that perhaps don't win as often uh, is like a, a reasonable investment on your time, um, or are you someone that is like, you know? I, it is it is gambling at some point what we're doing here um, and like because there's money involved I I am prioritizing getting money back I mean I I feel like uh, some people do it well and do both um, there are some people that I that I listen to that I feel like I disagree with a lot of what their analysis is or a lot of the way that they see the game but that doesn't prevent me from from you know enjoying their content or taking it in. And okay. I really like, I think that just getting a diversity of opinions is, is really important. So, I mean, I, I think there's room in this for both. And I think that like, look at a guy like Gray, like that's a guy who does both really well. Yeah. Just like, I find him incredibly entertaining to read on a regular basis. And I think he is really successful as at least that's how I understand his, you know, his position in the landscape too. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, like I, I, I think it's hard to say that I'm only going to be listening to the people who win because, you know, there are some, there are elements of this game that we play that are outside of their control. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I know that you've had some disappointing seasons lately, like we were describing last year's uh, main event, the new draft Paul George, and that, that goes sideways. Um, and suddenly like you're, you look, you look like you don't know what you're doing, which, yeah. you know, that's not exactly, obviously you're someone who's trying to learn, you're trying to improve. Um, but that to dismiss someone out of hand by saying they did poorly in this, like in these kinds of games, someone always finishes last, you know, yeah. and, and just, there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why you can finish last. Um, yeah. But so let, so let me ask you this then, you know, in any small sample size, right? Like the variance is tough and there's always only one winner, right? Mm -hmm. But say there's a track record of like, you know, many, many years, multiple, you know, contests. And if, and if somebody's like towards the bottom in all those contests, does that skew your opinion of them or not? Probably. But, okay. you know, I also, I don't know. I don't feel like, I think that people get better. I think people can get better, you know? For sure. Uh, For sure. I think that I have gotten better, and that's why that's why I'm in, I'm encouraging uh, a little bit more patience on people that don't necessarily do well or not necessarily having immediate success. Because you know, this is a thing that I feel like you can crack, um, or okay. you can you can refine your process. You can spend more time, um, and so yeah. I, I mean, I guess that if you're, I don't know why anyone would listen to me. You know. Um, <laughs> I'm not a guy who has played in high stakes leagues or has had tremendous success or anything like that. So maybe I'm just trying to save myself, but like, um, I think that I, I think that, uh, it's better if you're, if you, if you're interested in, in winning more money back, you should just listen to the guys that win more often. I got you. No, makes sense. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, right? It's just everyone's perspective is different. Um, I think you make some good points there, right? Uh, I mean, 
I mean, look at the journey that you and I have been on over the last few years, right? You know, I think I think our games have gotten a lot better. Uh, not you know not just talking through a lot of things, uh, but just incorporating outside information, talking to other people, right? So, uh, yeah, it's definitely been our journey and process. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good good perspective. All right, so let's get to the meat and potatoes. Well, first off, good luck to my main event team. Hopefully, good luck to yeah, hopefully I don't get crushed like last year. Um, you know, I, I did a ton of drafts this year, so hopefully, um, you know, I can have more success because I feel like, you know, I feel like I put in a lot of time this, this year. So, uh, you know, hopefully I can reap some rewards from that. All right. But to the meat and potatoes of this pod. Um, 45 minutes deep for meat and yeah, potatoes. Yeah. No, it's, um, so Joel, we wanted to go over two RCL drafts that he did. Um, one was the writer's league. And one was his RCL. So the floor is yours, sir. Well, I think it's it's good to do both um, because I tried to punt in both, which is not something that I am terribly familiar with, nor have I had good success with in the past. I think I think part of the reason why I enjoy the Roto format is because I prefer building a balanced team, sort of like okay. in my head, that's how it makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, but a wise man once told me that if you're not punting in a head-to-head -head league, <laughs> if you're playing at a significant disadvantage, um, that was Sun for, for our good <laughs> listeners here. Um, and so I, I endeavored to try to learn how to punt more effectively this, uh, this draft season. Um, and one of them I think I succeeded in, um, and one of them I did not. Um, and so in this, this writer's league that we're in was the successful punts, I believe. Um, and this was a punt field goal build. I had the, uh, the ninth overall pick and I started with, um, I started with Halliburton, uh, and then caught LaMelo ball on the other side of the turn and, Part of the reason why I took Halliburton instead of Young or Lillard or Curry was because, A, I've, I've drafted a lot of Damian Lillard and Trey Young, um, and Halliburton probably doesn't have the scoring upside that those two have, does give you the steals. And so I was I was tired of chasing players that would give me steals later, and I just wanted to do a different kind of build here. Um, and so Halliburton, uh, LaMelo, Cade Cunningham were my first three picks, and I felt really good about those three guards. Um, you know, there's going to be the defensive stats from Halliburton and Cunningham. Uh, Cunningham rebounds really well for a guard, as does Ball. Um, the scoring was a little light, um, but which is something that I actually ended up fixing after the draft. Um, and my concern with scoring is why I, I was so on tilt after I screwed up my fourth round where I took DeAndre Ayton instead of Chris Middleton. Middleton really should have been the pick, I think. Um, strong free throw percentage, scoring upside. Um, in this build, I'm also sort of punting blocks, which for people who have been reading my thoughts on centers is definitely something that I was interested in experimenting with. Um, Aiden kind of block shots. He has block shots in the past. He did not 
have a very good year doing it last year. Um, so maybe it comes back, maybe it doesn't. If it does, then it's not really much of a punt block at all. Um, and if it doesn't, then oh well. Um, after that was Alperin Shangun. Um, so I felt like I'd really solidified rebounds there. Um, the the free throw percentage for both Aiton and Shangun is solid. That's two centers in this two center required league. Um, and then the rest of the draft was sort of filling in uh, threes, scoring where I could, and then really reinforcing um, those other counting stats. And so it was Keldon Johnson, who I have a ton of this year, Keegan Murray, Jamal Murray, Cam Johnson, Kyle Lowry, Chris Duarte, Walker Kessler, and Jordan Clarkson. Um, Clarkson, Duarte, uh, Keegan, and Keldon were all trying to get back into the points. Um, going with uh, Lowry was a way of sort of firming up these assists. I, I really like Kyle Lowry in the uh, in the 10th round as an assist play. Um, Duarte, Clarkson are threes. Kessler, so I referenced earlier the idea of sort of soft punting this. If Walker Kessler really, uh, now I'm going to sound like you, if he really does come out and block two, 2.2 shots a game, I might not be punting blocks at all. Um, you know, Murray will give you a, a little bit, uh, Keegan, that is. Um, Changun will as well. If Aiden's blocks come back, maybe between that group and Kate Cunningham giving you some out-of-position stuff, that might work. And so I, I felt really good about this group's um, free throws. I felt good about the steals because of Halliburton um, and because of uh, LaMelo when he gets back. Um, the rebounds seem okay to me, too, because of Cunningham and Aiden uh, and Shangun. But I... I left the draft and this is where I was feeling like I was a bit tilted of just like, I, I don't have enough scoring. Um, and so Kostas and I pulled a deal that sent the, the chat into a, just an absolute tizzy. <laughs> um, we took both these players in the same round. Uh, but the, I took uh, Jamal Murray and he took Colin Sexton. And so we flipped straight up. Um, and I think that, that worked out really nicely for me. I think Sexton is definitely going to score more than Murray, which was a thing that I was concerned about. Uh, I'm not really sweating the drop in assists um, that I'm going to be eating there. The steals are almost the same. Sexton's a very good free throw shooter, um, and if he bombs my free, my field goal percentage, that's fine. That's that's one that I'm not really sweating. Uh, I think this is a a pretty solid what uh threes free throw rebound assists steal that's five cats i feel good about the points could be there that's all uh, you need five four baby that's all you five, need five four will do it <laughs> uh, points will give you six um turnovers are obviously not a thing that i'm too concerned about um and then like who we'll see what happens with walker kessler we'll see what happens with kessler and with Aiden, but you said it, like 5-4 will we'll get the job done. And so um, one thing that I really like about, about doing this uh, when it, you pull a punt off and it kind of works is that I feel very focused 
now on like what kinds of players coming off the wire I will entertain. Sure. Um, that's one of the advantages of playing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing that I I have struggled with as a as a player in the past is that I I'll get uh, I'll get a little jumpy. I'll see uh, some guy sort of putting together a nice stretch of bat a ball and I'll I'll be uh, a bit foolhardy in, in jumping on and maybe dropping someone I shouldn't. Um, but also just like, you know, does this person actually help what this team needs? Um, and so, yeah, now that I, I sort of know what I'm aiming for, I feel like the, the, the aperture closes a little bit. And I, I can sort of figure this all out a little bit better than I would be otherwise. But yeah, but yeah that was a successful one, I think. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, when did you decide on your path to punt? On your first round pick or after how many, you know? No, it was after, it was after Cade, I think. Um, second, second round? That was your, well, no, that's third. Round. third round. That was yeah. third. Um, you know, I, because I was picking at nine and because I've just, I've done enough drafts to sort of understand what is normally there around that first turn, I thought I was going to go guard, guard heavy, um, and, which was true. Um, and also because I, I was curious about punting a, a block anyway. Um, that was a thing that I wanted to try out. And, and obviously starting with Halliburton and Ball, like you've sort of uh, opened the possibility of doing that. Um, and then once, once Cunningham fell to the, the middle 30s, I felt like you, you kind of had to snag him. Um, and so you go three guards – um, your first 35 picks, you've really, you have set a course for yourself. Um, I do appreciate that they are somewhat defensive minded guys. Um, and it really fell in nicely with the idea of a punt blocks, which is why Aiton was someone that I was, I was interested in getting. Um, yeah, I probably could have waited. Yeah, he's perfect for that build. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. For that build. yeah. Um, and then, you know, like it was, it was Aiden and Shangun at four or five because I, I needed to fill these centers. Both of them had good free throw percentage for the position. Uh, it's sort of, it, it was one thing that sort of revealed itself to me once I, you know, the first three picks really sort of solidified this is what I would be doing. Nice. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like, um, I think the way that I approach it now is like one, my first round pick. Um, depending on who that is, like, I think I just decide right there, which way I'm going. And then, um, it kind of, you know, cause my pea sized brain, like, I don't know if I can, you know, it gets, it becomes too much for me when there's things. Yeah. You know, so when I'm able to like, just focus and put on the blinders, like everything becomes so much more clear for me. Uh, I know I've run into the problems where, um, I, not, I don't get discombobulated, but um, I guess I start, you know, mind effing myself, right? I'm like, oh, you know, there's this, there's that. I could go this way, I could go this way, you know, and then I start making mistakes. Um, so, yeah, so I usually go, you know, just, just find it right away. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that's, like, the right way or the wrong way. I don't think there's one way to do it, right? Because sometimes I do feel like leaving yourself open with, like it provides more options, right? Because if the draft sometimes drafts are funky and it gives you something that you didn't really expect to be there, 
So then yeah. if you're open, then you're able to pivot and, and take advantage of it. Um, I was having a discussion with you know somebody last week about, um, I guess he kind of approached it like, uh, he just wants to take as much value as possible. And I, I kind of disagreed with him because I felt like, especially when you're punting, I mean, the values become, so, you know, they just, they're so volatile, right? The, like mm-hmm. if you're on one particular punt pad, overall value of somebody, you know, goes up or down dependent. Um, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean, I guess I could see it working. Like if you're able to maintain that balance of, uh, you know, being open while still staying on a direction. But I guess like, I well, the conclusion I came to was, it le- like I said, it leaves you more open and more options, which I don't think is ever a bad thing. I guess so as long as you don't get, you don't start mind effing yourself and then start losing direction, then I think it becomes a problem. And I think that's a problem for me. But then I was like, yeah, well, if you're able to, you know, stay focused, then I can see the inherent benefits to that, right? Because then you, right, you can get value and then, uh, more paths are open, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I feel similarly. I wish that, uh, and I definitely understand what you mean about like settling on a path early has a lot of value because it can, it can really inform the way that you draft. And, um, I, I know what you mean when you say you sort of got, got lost in the draft. I, that's definitely what happened with this, this second, idea that I had about punting or this, this failure to punt. And I ended up, <laughs> I ended up sort of, I think I draft, I drafted a team that's better than I initially was reacting to it. Uh, Cause I think I got good value in a lot of places, but the trouble is, is like, I don't quite know. I don't quite know how to fix it yet. And it means that I, if you, if you're going to do what this person is subscribing to of like trying to stay balanced or trying in every pick to get good value. Um, that's a really nice, that's a really nice idea. I, I find that that's harder to do yeah, than, than finding the person that will give you the thing that, that has a certain skill set that has been demonstrated and can be like counted upon as you're putting the pieces of this puzzle together. Yeah. Um, Keep I think it that's stupid and I'm, I'm stupid. So keep it simple. Stupid is, is perfect for me. So. Well, one of the things that I think that I've really learned over the past three years of doing this with you is that, um, I, uh, I just, I need, I, I'm somebody who really enjoys putting the puzzle together. And I think yeah. that if I know what it is that I've got, it makes it much easier for me to figure out where it's going. Um, And I think that when I first started playing fantasy basketball, it was born out of like, I love basketball. I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. And my thought process is that I know basketball better than the guys that I, that I'm playing with. And I'm able to identify who is good more than the people that I'm playing with. And that's just not really vital to being successful at fantasy basketball being able to put things together strategically or seeing what values are being applied from some of these players and how they complement or don't complement people that are already in your roster is actually a lot more valuable than saying i know that 
that player X is better than player Y. You should take player X every time because of that. Um, and that's a huge, huge thing to a lesson to internalize. And, and I think it was really brought forth because of those RASJAM slow drafts where you can, you can sit and think about what it is that you're doing, yeah. who's going to be there later, what's the sort of optimal build. You know, when you pair that much time with the tools that you guys provide us with, it, you can start to, it doesn't, you can start to put the puzzle together without a huge amount of lift if you sit with it and you really work it. Um, but in this, this other draft, this like failed punt or whatever, uh, I went back, I went back to the old me and just started t- taking, taking guys. Once I screwed up, I just had to start taking guys that I think were good value in that spot. Um, which draft happened first? Pardon? This draft happened was after the writers. Correct. Yeah. So this yeah, is the RCL. Um, after I, I had an RCL last year that I did terribly in, um, or maybe not terribly. I did not win. Um, and I think I've drafted another RCL team that will not win. Um, but I was taking, I was drafting from the seventh spot, which I, I hate in this year. I think for me, there's a really clear top six of, uh, of Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Durant, Tatum, and Luca. I like all of those guys. Um, a lot more than everyone that you get sort of immediately after it. And at seven, you don't get the benefit of being at the end where you can uh, sort of do like a Lillard and Ball and Halliburton. And so seven felt too early to take Tyrese Halliburton. I um, I don't really believe in James Harden anymore. I, I think that the, the lost step is real. He um, doesn't seem like a guy who's sort of taking the – the the aging well and figuring out that you've got to sort of change the way that you prepare for the season and all that kind of stuff uh, if if you're going to continue to be a viable player going forward. So I, I took Trey Young, which I I know better. I shouldn't have done that because the steel <laughs> hole is persistent. Um, you have a good then, history with Trey Young. I know, and I just I'm, I can't. <laughs> hey, I think he's the most. Go ahead. Hold that thought for one second, right? I'll, I'm gonna pause it. Okay, sorry for that uh, that little break right there. Um, yeah, the joys and pitfalls of working from home with the wife. So you know, gotta take care of stuff. So all right, so Trey Young got a history of Trey Young. You decided to select him there again. Why? Um, because I like I said, I, I don't really trust James Harden. Um, I think that I'm a little bit worried about Carl Towns. Um, just given what his offseason has looked like and the impact of Gobert. Um, I already had Damian Lillard in a bunch of teams. Um, I had just drafted Tyrese Halliburton, so I felt like I sort of scratched that itch. Um, I didn't love it. I took Young. I guess the other the other thing with Trey is that I, I really think that the, the pairing with DeJounte Murray is overblown. I think he's still going to be the alpha of that team. You're still going to get great points. You're still going to get great assists. You're still going to get great threes, free throw percentage. It doesn't the, – the concern that I had about him getting sort of dinged by sharing that space with Murray I think is overblown. 
Um, he still doesn't give me any steals, which is a thing I just like did not internalize. And then I compounded that problem um, by drafting Devin Booker in the second. Um, I think I, in in hindsight, I probably should have given gotten someone who would give me some kind of defensive stats in the second. Um, you could have just punted. Just punted him. With, I'm sorry. Okay. You could have just punted. I could have. Yeah. Um, I could have. I could have punted the steals and punted the blocks, which is sort of what I did because I took Zion Williamson in the third. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, I'm going to, this team's going to score a lot of points. Um, And, you know, Zion will, will help out, help sort of balance out the field goal percentage. Um, The trouble with doing, with grabbing Zion there, I really think lies in the percentages. With Booker and Young, the free throw percentage was great, um, but Zion's free throw percentage is really in. It really clashes there. Does, um, yeah. The field goal percentage was okay with uh, with Book and Trey. So Zion coming in and, and giving a huge shot in the arm there wasn't exactly needed, um, and then it just puts me really far behind in steals and blocks. Um, did you did you think that, that you had kind of like a roto mindset there, or do you I, remember so what you're thinking? Here, my thinking was, um, I don't know what my thinking there was. <laughs> the other options that were on the table, and really, I think probably the better way to have gone was Pascal Siakam. Um, after Zion was Siakam, CP, Demar, Jared Allen, Jalen Brown. Evan Mobley, DeAndre Ayton, like I, of that group, like I think Siakam because he's better balanced and because um, he'll give you better defensive stats um, and frankly better rebounds than Zion is probably the better solution. Um, but I, I, you know, I like the upside and I do. This team, no one is going to beat this team in scoring. I feel very confident about that. <laughs> right, right. Um, and you know, you know, Zion Williamson is sort of still remains a mystery as to like what it is that he can actually do. It's been a long time since he's played um, and played like enough to get a sense of it. The defensive stats weren't so bad in college, so maybe you know he's things are sort of working now in New Orleans. Um, if he can get committed to that defensive end, uh, this will make things a little bit easier for me. But but yeah, I, I don't know what what the thought was there. I should have taken Pascal, and uh, and didn't. Um, and after that, like I was so tilted, man. Like I, I felt like I was just kind of scrambling. Um, and none of the puzzle made any sense anymore. You know, I was I was behind on steals. I was behind on blocks. The percentages were both kind of middle of the road because weird trade offs were going on. Um, in the fourth round, I took Desmond Bain, um, who I really love. I, I got in a conversation with one of those guys in our 30 team league who is, was asking about, uh, Bain as a keeper in a different league. Mm -hmm. And I, I floated the question to him of like, what if Desmond Bain is just the Memphis Clay Thompson, you know, like what if he just scores and shoots threes really well and he's a, uh, you know, percentage boss that gives you some steals. Like, I think that could be a, 
his counter was that things had he didn't want to draft Bane because everything broke right for him last year and then he's he's buying at the ceiling. But I think there could I don't see any reason why they he couldn't just repeat that. What do you think about Bane? Yeah, you know, there was a guy uh guy at Drew Dinkmeyer over at Establish a Run. Um he's really sharp, you know, fantasy basketball player. Uh, he put out a thing the other day where he's super high on Bain. That's like one of his guys. So I think he had him ranked in like the 30s. And his reasoning mm-hmm. was because uh, his true shooting percentage um, did not really change that much from one year to, to last year, right? Even though he got more usage. Um, and I think the biggest selling point was that, uh, you know, they may stagger him with Morant so that he may be leading more of the second unit. Uh, and, you know, before his breakout campaign last year, in the summer, you know, they had him with the ball in his hands in summer league, and they were like, you know, we want you to have more responsibility for the ball. Kind of prepared him for what he was going to do, and he kind of broke out. So they know that he has that kind of capacity, which is, and now I'm going to make this a Zaire Williams thing, because, you know, they did the same thing with Zaire Williams, so, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully he can be on the same trajectory. But, um, but yeah, so... You know, I can kind of buy that, right? I mean, he's a great shooter from three. Uh, he's able to, but he's not just a spot-up shooter, right? He has some playmaking ability. He has some, you know, he has some handles. So, you know, if he does get a lot of run, you know, leading the second unit, I mean, you know, that's pretty juicy, right? He's going to get a ton yeah. of usage, and, you know, that may be an uptick in assist too, right? So, um yeah, you know, I mean, I think initially in the process over the summer, like I was a little hesitant with Bain, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, he's young, right? Like, why does he have to regress, right? Like, he broke out, the trajectory is up, right? right? You know, it's not like, right, he's, you know, he's super young. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that, that he will continue to develop and continue to go up. It's just a matter of, you know, how high is the ceiling right, at that point. But, you know, if there's certain changes to, you know, his opportunities and things like that, then, yeah, that definitely affords the, the opportunity for accessing ceiling. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel the sim- I feel very similarly about him. I think that, like, if you're looking for reasons why it can't work, um, I think that's your that's your own bias, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I also, I mean, I think that, you, you mentioned Zaire Williams. I don't think that Dylan Brooks is long for that roster. I just, I think that he... He takes bad shots, yeah. and the opportunity cost of having Dylan Brooks uh, sort of gunning as he sees fit, it takes the ball out of Bain's hands. He's a more efficient scorer. It takes the ball out of Moran's hands. Um, they have guys like Zaire Williams who are sort of knocking on the door behind him. I, I, I think it could be the end of the road for, for Dylan Brooks after that, after the season or maybe in season. Uh, I hope so. I hope so too. Um, yeah, so I drafted Bain. I drafted Bain um, for the steals. Uh, was a big component of that. Also because you know I'm, I'm now like sort of locked in this weird percentage. I'm trying to keep both up and balance out what we're trading off. Yeah. Um, and by going with with Bain, it means like I'm just going to punt blocks. Like I'm now I'm four deep and. Uh, and I've got one big, and he's not. And chances are that Zion isn't going to be able to do it, um, which led me to my fifth round pick of Valanciunas. I was looking for um, 
for a field goal boost that wasn't going to be super costly with the free throw. Um, and I was looking for boards. And uh, that's Jonas Valanciunas, you know. Uh, I wasn't super, super concerned about the scoring dipping. Um, it's also like a mini handcuff against Ion. You know, I, I know that they play different positions, but, you know, Williamson's going to impact – whether William is on, Williamson is on the floor or not, it's going to impact everyone else on that roster. And so if he goes down, you know, Battle Junis was a top 50 player last year. I don't see any reason why he couldn't be that again if, if uh, Williamson is out. Um, and again, like that just sort of cements my idea that uh, we're punting blocks from here, which – you know, I guess I sort of found my way back to a to a path after after this this Zion detour. Um, so I, you know, I was still trying to get back uh, after Valentunas, trying to get back with steals, which led me to Devin Vassell. Um, I uh, I followed that up with Tobias Harris um, again, just sort of trying to get a guy who gives you decent percentages both ways. Uh, a little bit of rebounding, a little bit of scoring. Uh, team tracker is still mad at my steals in this case. Um, I really wanted Herb Jones, but I wasn't able to get him. Uh, and the, the last five picks, five, six picks of this um, were Trey Jones. Um, sort of looking to get back some steals because, uh, or excuse me, to get back some assists as Trey Young was um really the only like super solid steals that were coming there uh trey also has nice percentages um bobby portis again just sort of rebounds a little bit of threes okay percentages uh isaiah stewart was my third center eligible player and i'm kind of interested in stewart this year because a lot of reports coming out of Detroit are that he's going to play the four and they're going to have him shooting a bunch of threes. Yeah. Um, and I think that could be a useful, a useful spot on this team for me, you know, because the threes are really, it's, it's, it's Trey Young and Devin Booker, um, you know, and Bain, I guess Vassell will give you some, but you know, Williamson doesn't give you any, Trey Jones doesn't give you any, yeah. Tobias gives you a, a little, um, so I was looking, getting some out of position threes there with Stewart. Um, I think is a is a good deal. Uh, I picked up Mike Conley in the eleventh. Um, again, just trying to shore up some assists. I don't know what's going to happen with Conley, but they haven't traded him yet, and so I think he's the point guard in, in Utah. It's uh, weird. And then I finished the draft with. Uh, with Norman Powell and Markel Fultz. Um, Fultz is already hurt, but finding assists on the wire is absolutely brutal. And so I felt like I, if I can just stash some dimes away for now, uh, I won't have to worry about being proactive and picking him up um, when he gets healthy. And uh, Norm Powell is a guy that I have a lot of this year. Uh, it's not a bad pick. Yeah. I think that... It's you know I I don't really know what the the Clippers are going to look like other than PG and Kawhi are going to rest some um, and that spells opportunity for Powell I mean he's he's been a really effective three point shooter a um, little bit of steals pretty good per percentages for someone from that 
from that deep. Um, and they're scoring upside too. So I, I felt like I was really comfortable taking Norm there just to sort of help stabilize this. Um, the team tracker says that I screwed up with blocks uh, and steals still. Um, so maybe I'll have to find some steals on the wire. I guess that's the other that's the other bit of attraction to Markel Holtz is that you know, he comes back and he should be a steals uh, asset as well. Rebounds are a little shaky. Um, well, hold but, on. One thing I one thing I will say: the team tracker is great, uh, but remember that it's you know basically per per game, right? So um, there's also the totals tool in there, right? So you know. It, it takes a little bit more work because you have to put in input everybody's stuff. Get all in, yeah. But um, yeah, but you know, they both they're both excellent tools. Uh, but yeah, sometimes looking at the totals too may change you know a few things, right? Because you know per game some guys are elevated per game, but then right they don't play enough games, so that you know it affects the totals. So yeah, I just wanted yeah. to say that. Sorry. No, I think that's a good point to make, especially you know I, I primarily use the team tracker as a way of like letting me know where the weak spots are. Yeah, uh, no, it's great. Yeah, it's great for that. Yeah, and especially because you know the the color coding for it is brutal because every time you every time you put another name in there, you your dark greens turn to light greens and your right, right. your grays turn to yellows. Yeah, it's, it's um, depressing. It's depressing. <laughs> that's probably why I walk out of every draft going, man, I screwed that up. Like I just, I, <laughs> I watched this thing that was so strong turn into something that's uh, wobbly all over the place, but. Right. But yeah, this ended up turning into a a punt block team, which I guess it's the second time I've done that. Um, I wish I were stronger in some of these counting stats. Um, I think it'll, it, I think it's going to be a competitive team. I don't think I'm going to finish last. I think I've got too much value across the board for that, unless like just disaster strikes. Um, but yeah, this was not a team. This is not my favorite team I've drafted this this off season. Any team that has Tobias Harris on it, you can't feel like super great about, you know. <laughs> Tobias is taking you to the chip, and then you got. I'm great. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm kind of, you know, I've got Bobby Portis here, and uh, I might have just been suckered in by how well things went last year for him. Um, I feel like I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid on Isaiah Stewart. Like, he's not a super useful player, but if there are threes from him, that that could really help. You know, that'll help with a the three-point category as well as the scoring. Um, the fact that they're that they're moving him out of the five spot is probably good for him long-term too, because um, it means that Jalen Duran isn't going to just completely take his job. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe this will work, but. I don't love it. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I do not love it. You, it seems like you prefer Roto better, right? I mean, you said that the puzzle and just the, the structure of everything. Mm -hmm. um, has the head-to-head, -head, because, man, there's a lot of strategy in head-to-head, -head, right? Like this, cause just because, like, it's like Sudoku on steroids because you could go in so many different directions, right? Whereas Roto is a little more straightforward. So have you begun to enjoy that or is it no? It just totally clashes with your Roto kind of Roto mindset. I mean, I grew up as a head-to-head -head player. I didn't really play Roto until, um, until the Raz Jam, really. And now that I've gotten more exposure to it, I think it's something that I really 
I think that's like the, the part about this game that I enjoy the most now is is the puzzle solving and uh, I'm trying to find balance and, and understanding where trade-offs are and, and you know it informs also like what what kind of player you want to bet on. Um, I think going forward for me, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot more uh, it's going to be a lot more roto than head to head. And really, I, I appreciate the draft and hold format too of just like figure your shit out first. You know, um, no waiver wire to save you. You you've got to you've got to lie in the bed you've made here. So I think in the future, yeah, it's, it's going to be more. Uh, NFBs, KC, draft champions kind of deal. I think that's the thing that I really enjoy. Nice, nice. You're gonna hit the streets next year. I'm trying, man. Well, you know, I'm just following your footsteps here. I, <laughs> I, I was NFBKC was a website that I didn't know existed until I started playing the Res Jam. So, and now I'm talking to you, who's gambling a thousand dollars on uh, on a team that's got uh, Pascal Siakam on it. So. It's not gambling. It's it's educated. Um, uh, what's the word? Educated bets. I don't know. Educated. Uh, uh, man, I'm gonna have to think of a better phrase, a better word. But um, the way gambling. that I was not, not, uh, yeah. edu- oh, educated, controlled, intellectual decisions making. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's better than my refrain for sports betting, which is uh, I have an opinion and I'd like to be paid for it. I like that. I like that. See, you know, like to me, slots is that's gambling, right? You're mm-hmm. just pulling the lever and then there's no control, right? But at least like poker or you know fantasy sports, like there's actual decision making. There's there's strategy. There's thought processes, right? There's you know, you're not just pressing a button on a machine, but you're playing against other humans, right? And yeah, so to me, it's not really gambling. I mean, there's luck involved with it. I think that's the misnomer that a lot of people have, right? They think like it, anything that has luck in it is considered gambling. But, you know, you can, I guess the best way to put it is if you can tilt the percentages into your favor somehow, whether it be strategically by, by, by some strategic aspect, then to me, that's not gambling, right? Yeah. That's, um, you know, but when something is completely, purely out of your control, like that's gambling, right? So that's that, that's the way I look at it. Well, I think that, I mean, it, it ties in with the idea of like why you should punt in head to head, you know? It's like, it's, it's more things that you can control, you know? You can just, it, it reduces those variables um, of sort of, you know, what, what happens if someone gets hurt or what happens if, uh, if things are sort of unfortunate, it's like, well, I'm only trying to, I'm not trying to, to hit eight categories. I'm not trying to go eight for eight. I'm trying to go five for eight. I'm trying to go six for eight. Or, you know, it, if you can minimize the, the ways that you can get beat, I think that's a, that's a, a thing worth exploring. So. Yeah. That, you know, that's why I'm very surprised when, uh, you know, your first two picks, you know, like, it seemed pretty, you know, the punt field goal and the punt, was it steals? Yeah, or punt, you could have gone punt blocks, right? But especially the field goal, you know, that seemed to be a pretty uh, pretty clear path. You know, so I'm surprised you didn't go that way. But 
you know, I just done it. I think was a big many, part of it. Many paths to take, right? So. Yeah, I don't. This is not. This second team is not something that we're gonna like print out and put on the fridge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not my finest work, but I, I do think it in the, you know, in the spirit of the conversation that we were having earlier about like, is it important that uh, that touts win? Um, yeah. You know, this is, this was me screwing up. I, I, I never really picked a path um, until, until Bane. I guess that was a question that you asked earlier too. Was like, when do you? When do you pick your path? Like Bane really solidified it. Just like we cannot get blocks back. Maybe I can get some of this back, but but yeah, Williamson that he's in such clash with Young and Booker that it was it was a blunder. No 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 two ways about it. I don't think. That's how we get better, right? True. That's how we get better, you know. It's uh, <laughs> you know, I was telling you offline, you know, um, especially because you know my son like. Start to show a little more interest in hoops and things like that, and you know his mentality. Like he's such a nice kid, right? He's such a good kid. Uh, you know, just no aggression, right? He's just not a, a, an aggressive person, right? So, um, you know, I learned early on, like, you know, I I can't like push him. You know, like he's not the type of guy like his reaction will take to like the the sergeant slaughter type, you know, motivation, right? So like I try to be a little more laissez fair, right? But so. You know, I started putting in like you know driving into school, you know, putting in the Kobe, the Mamba, Mamba mentality, you know, like stuff, and it's great, you know, and um, you know, like that's one of his things, right? It's just like not just you know preparation, but failure, right? He loves failure because that shows him what he needs to work on. That shows him how he can get better, right? And you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, it, it's true. You know, I think some people. You know, they get scared of failure, right? And or they get scared to put themselves out there. Um, but if you don't do that, like, how are you gonna improve as a person, or how yeah. are you gonna improve in anything, right? And you know, I think that's part of it. Like, you know, like me playing like the main event, something like that. I probably shouldn't, right? Um, but like, you know, I did feel I was a little more prepared this year. But you know, like. I guess it's kind of like a barometer, right? Like, yeah, you know, like unless like I put myself in those positions or, you know, like I'm never going to know, right? Like where I'm at, like truly, right? Like I think, you know, like a thousand dollar league is much different than like a $25 league, you know, like not just monetarily, but like, you know, just, you know, different, you know, probably caliber of player, but then, I mean, it's, you know, there's no jokes, like, like no joking around, right? Like people, like everybody's out there to, to cut your throat and to sweep your leg, right? And so, um, you know, that's the best environment to like, you know, see where you stack up and where, you know, how to improve. And, you know, just the simple fact of like, just the difference in my mentality from this year and my last year experience, like nine days, you know, yeah. like, you know, like, I, you know, I don't think like I'm going to win, but hopefully I do. I'm going to try, right? But just going into it, like, I just felt so much more comfortable, you know, like, going into it, so, like, that in of itself was, like, man, you know, like, and then, you know, like, little things, like, just a little bit of confidence or what, a, like, that could take you a long way, right, so, but, yeah, you know, I mean, failure, like, yeah, I, I was the same, you know, I used to be scared of putting myself out there, I used to be scared of you know, failing, because, you know, I feel like you look like an idiot or whatever, right, like, but then I was, like, I realized, like, 
like who cares like you know yeah. like then in essence like i'm living for other people right other people's approval but who the fuck cares you know like it's my life right like let me i'm gonna do my thing right so yeah so i'm with you you know just yeah just just do your thing and yeah like just learn from it right and like that's the only way to grow like like you know you and i like you know both whether it be writing or playing fantasy you know we've had so many discussions off, you know on the pods and off right the twitter and things like that like you know it's been awesome like whether it be writing we just keep writing right like our voice starts to shine i, I remember early on like after a year you were like I was struggling to find my voice and it took me a while to kind of figure it out. Right. But man, you know, like you just, you were just writing stuff, you were writing content. Right. And then you, I could see it like, you know, editing your work. Like I could see your personality coming out. Right. I could see, like, see, you know, the progression. It, it, it was kind of, it was cool. Right. It was cool to see like, like that. And, uh, you know, your fantasy prowess, right. Like your experience from the initial Raz Jam to the second one, right. It was like nine days right yeah you know and it was you know it's crazy like and and i think like the mistakes and the experiences that you had in the first one like you really took it to heart right and then that experience of things that you learned like you know helped you in the second year iteration of it right and then like you had a lot of success right so it's awesome you know so all right i'll shut up now so yeah you know no, I mean, you, it's... You, you know you're the man so you know you you tell the people like how you know how it's done right I mean, it's the, I feel like it's the perfect send off, uh, on a new season here. You know, just like we're, we all got to take some shots, you know, it's, uh, everyone's zero and zero and, uh, put the ball up and see how it goes. I, I'm really excited about this year. I'm excited about next year too. I think this year, this summer was the, the prelude to me, uh, going whole hog like you did. of just like, every time I talked with you, you were in a different draft. Um, yeah, I went crazy. I think I'm starting to things are starting to click for me a little bit as far as like what um, what it takes to be good at this. You know, I think that last year's success was uh, surprising and uh, and welcome. But I also, you know, we were talking about like how luck influenced this. Like I think that was a that was a very fortunate group too. And now. I'm trying to find the level of like, where am I at? Where am I at really? Um, and the only way to know that is if you, you keep trying. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Like uh, I've got one more draft tonight. Um, we're doing a draft after the season has started, which is kind of strange, but nice. um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this all shakes out. I'm excited that like I can stop drafting and we can start like getting back to hoops, man. Yeah. No, for sure. It's uh, it's been a fun off season. Um, I'm already looking forward to the next one, actually, which is kind of crazy. But you know, like we got real games today. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can both have a lot of success this year. You know, I I think we've grown in, in certain ways. Uh, hopefully, the three or four people that listen to us, you know, they've had some, you know, got some value from our talks. Um, but man. Thank you again for joining me. Good luck to you and all your leagues. And I'm pretty sure you're um, the uh, the head-to-head team that you were roasting that you didn't feel good about. That's gonna be the winner. 
<laughs> the the oh, Zion, Zion, Zion will lead you to a, uh, a championship. <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad. That wouldn't be so bad. But uh, yeah, best of luck to you, man, especially that main event team. Cool. Uh, I'll see you next week. Happy basketball. Sounds good. Happy basketball to you. Take it easy, y'all. Later, Sam.